I'm just going to shout for a few minutes. And if I suddenly deafen you... Oh, there we go. So before we get on to important... No, let me... Before we get on to really important stuff, because what I'm about to say is quite important, I just want to say it seems like a long time ago, but I just wanted to start by doing a bit of World Cup counselling after what happened on Wednesday. Um, Because I was really excited about you know, us making it through to the semi-finals last, last Sunday. It was, it was, you know, it was pretty cool, wasn't it? I was 10 years old the last time England got to a World Cup semi-final and it scarred me for life, as I think I've shared. Well, not quite for life, because I think even though it was disappointing we're out of the World Cup, actually, the way England played has given me hope for the future. It's kind of healed all the past hurts of those 28 years it was from when I was 10 years old right up until this week, this uh, World Cup, the way we played, I sensed something and now I'm optimistic about the future. I saw something and it gave me hope. So I wasn't actually that disappointed. Um, I hope neither of you were too disappointed. I certainly didn't cry at the end of the match like I did when I was 10 years old and we lost to West Germany on penalties at Italia 90, because I was proud and happy. Uh, World Cup counselling over, but that does actually link a little bit in with what we're looking at tonight. And that's this idea of creation, and of seeing hope in the things around us in this world. And tell you a story about my grandfather that happened several years ago now. I think about, I'll say several, probably about 12 years ago now. Grandfather's no longer with us. And we were at a wedding uh, of one of my cousins. And it was at the time where my, um, it was about six to eight months after my grandmother, my grandfather's wife, had passed away. And they'd been married for over 60 years. And he was going through a really um, tough time of it, feeling um, a bit down and obviously quite lonely living on his own now. He was uh, well into his 90s at this point, but still uh, totally um, able and of sound mind. But it was in the evening of the wedding. We were sitting around a table, there was a dance floor out and music going off and people having a boogie. And obviously, my 92-year-old grandfather was not that interested in getting up and dancing. And I was sitting with him round this table. And he was staring at the flower arrangement that was in the middle of this table. And he just turned to me and said, I don't know how anybody can not believe in God looking at the beauty of those flowers. And this is coming from a guy that was actually quite a private man, didn't share much personal about his faith or anything like that. He went to church every Sunday for most of his life. And he was also somebody that wasn't easily impressed by things. He was uh, one of the few people during uh, the Second World War, well, not one of the few, but one of the, the, the bright people during the war that was at working in electronics, in computers. 
his role was protected so he didn't have to go and fight in the war doing research and stuff like that. He was always amazed by electronics. Even when he was retired, he used to take radio alarm clocks apart and other electrical devices and draw out the circuit boards that he used to have back then to figure out what was going on. And he'd be constantly, he would be, um, he'd be saying, when I was a young lad... This circuit board used to hold something up. We used to this. What this can do used to take up two to three rooms, about three by two meters, or whatever. You know, he was he was amazed at what humans could create and do, and how far technology had come. But he was looking at this flower, and he was seeing something even more intricate, even more beautifully designed, and it pointed him not to how great humans were at being able to do this but to God and in the way he said it in that difficult time I knew he was finding hope in that moment just by looking at that flower and it reminding him of this wonderful awesome God that he had worshipped and believed in for most of his life The background to the reading that we had to the book of um, Job, if I call him Job, I do apologise, but I call him Job to wind people up and I um, sometimes fall back into calling Job, Job. Anyway, the uh, the reading we had from the book of Job is actually about a guy called Job and he was uh, a wealthy ancient man set well before Jesus' uh, time. He was a wealthy man. Um, He had a large uh, large, family flock, sheep and goats, which is how you measured wealth back then. He had a successful family. He was well respected in society and, and he was healthy. And basically what happens to Job, I won't get into the why, but he loses everything through no real fault of his own. He loses his livestock, his family, his sons and his daughters. He loses his wealth His home gets destroyed and he also loses his health. He's covered in painful sores. Life has gone from being great to rubbish pretty quickly for him. And what happens is we have some friends come to Job to try and console and counsel him. And to cut a long story short, they don't do a very good job. And the reading we had is in response to one of his uh, friends who's basically saying, God has left you, Job. God's abandoned you because you've done something wrong. And this is part of Job's reply. He basically, he says, ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds of the sky and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Job is reminding his friend about how close God is because you can see him in the creation, in the world around. Job does not believe that God is not there anymore because Job can see God's handiwork around him and that God is at work sustaining it all. Now that does conjure up some difficult questions to Job as to why all this stuff has happened to me, if that is true. But there's also comfort and hope in these words that God is still around in this time for Job.
I just wanted to ask that question. You know, was my granddad, is Job, foolish to believe in God when we live in a world that has tried to explain away, or society certainly, that has tried to explain away and remove God from the cultural conversation or the things that we're taught? Evolution, the Big Bang Theory, and all those things, God seems to have been removed from the equation in lots of those things. And my, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to chat a bit about some of the ways that I understand those things and how I think there is still room for God, despite what many people might think that science perhaps has disproved God. I don't believe it has. So I don't know where you all are on your journey of faith. We might all have great confidence in God. But I hope tonight, as a few things I share, it will help just to remind us that it's not foolish to believe in God. We can uh, believe credibly and well in God alongside some of the things that the world says. There is plenty of room for God and the world without God does not have all the answers. The first thing, I've kind of touched on it already, and this is what my grandfather thought, is about the design and the order of the world around us. How can we account for its beauty and intricacy if God is not part of it? You know, when we look around the world and we see things that have been made or been built, from buildings to clothes, when we listen to music, perhaps we'll see a picture. We look at those things and we know that there is somebody behind them that's designed, made them. Now, if you see a building, we know there's an architect behind it. If we see a picture, you know there's an artist that has thought and planned and put work into it. There was an intention to make it the way it was. What Job was saying in this passage where... when um, that we heard read by, to, to us by Moira a few minutes ago, was he was looking around and seeing the staggering design and order there is around us. And it pointed him to know that God was there. God was at work in it, holding it and sustaining it, that there was a great designer, a God behind what we see. And as humans have become cleverer and been able to examine things a bit more deeply, it becomes even more amazing the way the world is and the way values are set just right for things to exist. Like gravity, for example. Scientists don't really know why things, objects, attract each other. It just happens that atoms are attracted to each other and that gravity happens and it's just set at just the right level for things to stay together and not be crushed or to be totally dispersed and if the values were slightly different life as we know it would not be able to exist the way the world is designed and created points towards somebody or something controlling and having set these things right in order for life to exist. There is room for God by looking at the world around us. 
I think it necessitates us to think there is a God behind it, somebody designing and creating the things. And also, the second thing, as well as looking at the design, is what about evolution? Does evolution disprove God? A few people have said this to me in the past. And um, I don't think evolution has been 100% proved. There are some big questions and gaps about certain parts of it. But even if evolution was 100% proved in that we evolved in a certain way, I still think even that points towards God and leaves room for God. In Genesis at the beginning, I believe it's quite a poetic beginning, and I don't believe the Bible actually says that the world was created in seven days. But it does very, very clearly say that God ordered and created it. I'll read you a couple of verses. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The Bible tells us without a doubt that we were made by a creator, that we were carefully and wonderfully designed. The process was miraculously, supernaturally guided but it doesn't tell us how exactly except in quite a poetic way. God ordered it but we don't know exactly how. If the evolution is the how in which we came about, that still leaves room for God. God guided evolution. And I'm okay with that. The Bible also says that that humans are different, that he breathed life, a soul that makes us different from any other creature and animal around us. And we are, aren't we? Evolution has issues explaining why we are so different. The theory of evolution calls for jumps and leaps of faith and mutations of luck all over the place. There's big questions hanging over it that can't simply, I don't think, be explained one after another just by luck. When Darwin came up with his uh, theory of evolution, we couldn't look at things at a molecular level. And one of the things that Darwin actually wrote in his uh, journal was, if it can ever be proved that things could be, that things I've said have evolved could not have evolved through simple steps, then my theory must be discounted. There are scientists that have been done experiments on very simple life forms. Um, bacteria, for example, that have um, 12 different proteins in them. And they can't figure out how they could have evolved to have these 12 different proteins in them just by chance and in the right order. Because if they take any one of these proteins out of them, the cell, single-cell bacteria, stops working. It can't do its job. It can't reproduce or do its function. Or it simply dies. Yet all these different life forms just happen to be there. And they don't know how even the simplest of life forms could evolve just like that. Just from an explosion happening. One scientist described, said this, that the odds of life just happening to to have evolved is like having an electronics factory 
with all the raw materials uh, needed to create an electronic device in it, exploding, and then a working iPhone, iPad, and iWatch miraculously happening from the explosion. Possible, but certainly, certainly something you need to have a lot of faith to believe in. It points towards someone guiding and designing our being. There is room for God with all these science theories going on. And that leads me to my final point. And that is, there's this God-shaped hole in humankind. I said at the start that our society is trying to push God towards the edge of it. Yeah, there was a study published just last year that showed, even though sadly in our country church attendance might be on the decline, belief in a being, in a spiritual other, is not diminishing at all. In fact, worldwide, a belief in God is on the increase. And this is not something that's unique to this period of time. It has been there in all civilizations throughout history. There is a hunger and a thirst for looking for something bigger than ourselves. Why would creatures that have just evolved by chance as a result of natural causes and luck, desire and hunger continually for a God, for something bigger than themselves. I believe it's because God is real. Because he designed and created us and we're meant to be in relationship with him. And I believe that like my grandfather and like Job Job did, when we see beautiful things, we naturally think of God, our creator. I did a baptism here this morning uh, for a young girl and uh, the parents just wanted to come and give thanks to God for this child, this life that had been born to them. It was born to them and they thought it was a wonderful gift, a miracle. And as I chatted to them when I met them, it was kind of a bit like how I felt when uh, Ada and I had our first child. You look at it and you don't just believe, or I didn't just believe looking at it, that that young child is here by chance. But that that child, her name was Mia, she had purpose. She had a meaning in life. She was designed and created by God and has things to do and fulfill that aren't just going to mean nothing when it comes to the end, but are going to have ultimately have real meaning and value. And that is what the Christian faith tells us about every single one of us here. It gives us hope. No matter what we're going through, what situation we're in right now, it gives us hope and meaning. And it gives us a great promise for the future. I believe that my grandfather is now up in heaven worshipping and praising God with my grandmother also. Even though he was going through a tough time, his faith in God did not let him down in the end. It didn't let Job down in the end either. 
his family was restored, um, or his, yeah, his health was restored, and um, he had a new family come to him, as well as his, his wealth. He kept going, kept trusting in God, and he didn't give up, even though times were tough. And my prayer for us as a church and as individuals is we might think life is tough and it's tough to talk about God or share about our faith. But actually we can be confident about it. We can have hope through perhaps tough times or difficult situations. Because God designed us, he created us. He is with us and amongst us. We can see it with our eyes. And we also, don't we, we have God, the promise of God, now living in us through his Holy Spirit. Always, always there. So my encouragement for you tonight is to always put your hope and trust in God. Be confident in your faith. And know that you can have confidence. There is room for God. God has not been disproved. But in fact... All these things that they're discovering give us greater confidence that there is a God who designed and planned the world and all of us that live in it. Amen.